Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Scientific Coaching Podcast. I am your host, Lucas Beer. Alongside me virtually, as always, is Mr. Darren Shrewsbury Jr. Darren, how are you this morning? I'm doing all right. All right. That's not good. We're not going to go there. Uh, <laughs> I always say all right is not good or okay. Because so I always want people to be good. So I'm always trying to be a little more positive. But that probably makes you sick because you're a negative person. <laughs> Uh, generally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't get sick on me today. Uh, we've got a some, well, not really a loaded show. I'd love to lie to you and say we do, but I would be lying if I said that, so I'm not going to. This is the challenge of being in a dead period in football. There ain't nothing going on, especially when we don't know when there's going to be a season, if there's going to be a season or not. Now, we do have a strong indication that there probably will be, and that's our first topic. The uh, Big 12 on the 22nd of May, so that was Friday? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Friday, the Big 12 passed a – I'll read the headline from WVUllustrate.com. Big 12 approves phase-in plan for student-athletes, and here's basically what it says. The Big 12 Board of Directors approved its phase-in plan, which dictates when student-athletes will be allowed to return to campus and access on-campus facilities. And they announced in the press release, obviously, because no one's going to hold a press conference for this. The approved plan states that football student-athletes will be allowed to utilize campus facilities beginning 15th of June, while volleyball, soccer, and cross-country student-athletes are permitted to return on July 1st. All other student-athletes may return on July 15th. So, with that being said, Darren, you, the person who has been, of, of the two of us, more so on, this, on the ball in terms of the COVID-19 pandemic, being the scientist of us all, what do you make of that? Hmm. So, let me get my date straight. You said it was June... June 15th, 15th. for football, July 1 for volleyball, soccer, and cross country, okay. and then everyone else on July 15th. Interesting. For sure. Um, I mean, it, it, it's extremely interesting. It's, I think for, for the Big 12, it We'd have to look at every single, you know, state. I guess which is mostly Kansas and Kansas, and, Oklahoma, and, Texas, uh, Oklahoma, Iowa, yeah. West Virginia. So Texas, I'm, from last I saw, and, and this is from like a couple days ago. So this could very well be outdated based on that. They will, they still won't really going down in cases. So it's it that just makes me go, mm, no, probably not a good idea, but. What can we do at that point? Uh, West Virginia, I, I we're seeing like a pretty much it's it's consistent. However, there's such low testing that I'm not sure I can be comfortable with the numbers and say, oh yeah, there's a safe numbers when we're only testing like something less than two percent of the entire population or something like that. I'd have to do the math, uh, actually do the math instead of try to estimate it in my head. But it's it's an extremely low number um, in terms of comparison to the amount of almost 2 million people we have in the state. Um, but I like that they have, they're having plans, you know, try, especially, you know, to give people the, the sense, Hey, look, we have something to look forward to. And ideally you'd want to have those, you'd, you'd have those plans and they might not even be thinking about this. They, they might as well though, um, is to, to give these plans and say, Hey, if everything's good, this is when we're starting. So maybe people will stay home. So we can actually get this stuff started. If, if everyone wants to, um, if everyone wants to, uh, you know, go out and see a, see a concert, go out and see a football game or whatever sport of their choice, 
uh, you can just stay home and get this quicker, and then you can, because I want to too. Trust me, but staying home as much as possible. Uh, but in, for right now, and uh, I, I expect it to probably end up happening, uh, especially given the um, the track record of some of the states that uh, are indeed still technically not looking good, but are opening up anyway. Uh, whether whether or not that's a good thing. Honestly, it's probably not, but I think we'll probably end up seeing things opening regardless, uh, whether regardless of whether it's really a good idea or not. Uh, however, I don't I don't want to say that it won't end up being redacted should something get much worse. Uh, and I guess we'll see that in a couple of weeks, probably after, now that everyone's starting to open up or has already partially opened up to some extent. Uh, West Virginia, for example, with. Uh, I think even bars in Morgantown, I think, are starting to open up again. Yeah, today it's the first day bars can open up. It's the opening of week five of Governor Justice's plan, which I think is a six-week plan. So next week would be the last week of opening up. Yeah. Providing the rate doesn't skyrocket to above three this week. Mm-hmm. Which is like, what, like 2.06, the last I checked? I may be wrong on that, but that's the last I, I saw. I think, and I... And, I've said this before, but and I've seen quite uh, a, a um, criticism of using the percent positive tests as a as a criteria because you're just getting the people who who think they're sick and are coming in and testing. Um, which, granted, everyone that thinks they they're sick enough to be tested should, but uh, it's not giving you that representative number of this is West Virginia. We have a lot of people who are scared to even go out and get tested because they think they can't afford it. And they think they, they, um, that, or, or they just think that they'll be fine even if they do have it or, or they just strictly believe it's a hoax, all these things. But West Virginia is uh, not a, a great place to be financially secure in terms of healthcare. I've got a few, a few friends in med school and they are, they've, they've done some research on that. Uh, scenario where they're just uh, they don't think that because of the low numbers they don't they they are quite sure that these numbers are skewed in West Virginia because of the fact that there's so many people likely not going out and getting tested and this is true for the entire nation but especially someplace like West Virginia so it's that's the most terrifying part part of it is we have things that we don't know about because fairly enough these people are might be scared that they can't afford the treatment if they are sick. They can't afford the test if they if they want to get tested and things like this. So, and let's present the worst case scenario. Let's say the Big Twelve, for whatever reason, says you can have fans at, at athletic events in the fall, and West Virginia has opened up fully. The case level is that let's say it's like two point nine five, which is not three, but it's really close. Yeah. Uh, so let's just say that's that, and there's mm-hmm. sixty five thousand plus. And Mountaineer fuel for a football game. Yep, that's bad under any circumstance. Yeah, I, I fully expect that we won't see even even if things are full, uh, fully opened up by this point, we won't see full stadiums full out. I don't think we will. I would. I, mean, I don't either. That's the prevailing I think, opinion. I thought. I'd say probably consistently, probably worst case scenario, three quarters full. Um, and and until we are more comfortable with this with the you know with how things are going around here but i i just don't see i see a lot more people 
despite what the negative things on the the wonderful internet suggest, I, I think there are a lot more people out here that are smart enough to stay home, even if things are open. I, I, I want to be the, the whale optimist here that I think that there are, at least in my, uh, most people I'm, a, I'm uh, associated with at this point are smart enough to stay home despite it being, quote unquote, safe to go out. Mark it down. 10.46 a.m. 5th, uh, May 26, 2020, Darren Shrewsbury Jr. was an optimist. <laughs> it doesn't but, happen a whole lot. Trust me. Yeah. But I think real quick, going back to the, the positive thing, the, and the, the criticism, I, I agreed. Basically, I, I'm going back to they should have followed the original CDC guideline or suggestion that see a decrease in cases for 14 days straight. And from last I checked, this, that has not happened in West Virginia, despite the less than 3% positive, because having declined cases is more indicative that we're getting this under control than, than oh, I tested 2,000 people and two of them, or whatever the number works out to be, ends up being positive. Um, because that's still worrying, because you're not really getting a full number here. Granted, you wouldn't get a, a, a given the state of, of West Virginia's testing, you wouldn't get a wonderfully accurate anyway, but you'd still see at least a decline um, based on the testing we have. But I don't think last I checked a couple days ago as well, that's not been the case for West Virginia, especially not in two weeks. It's been more like a consistent 20, uh, 10, 20. And I think yesterday, no, sorry, what's today? Tuesday? Sunday, yes. I think had 30 I think Sunday had 30 cases, which I think was more than the day before. So we're not seeing a decline, especially not that 14-day decline that the CDC recommended, which might as well might as well have been pulled last I checked, um, or at least is ignored by everybody <laughs> because no one seems to care. But uh, yeah, I, I start questioning what's the point of having a Centers for Disease Control and Prevention if literally no one's going to listen to them, and that's depressing because that's my that's ideally my future end goal in terms of career i will listen to you i will listen to you oh, i appreciate that um uh, you know i saw there are two things actually three things i'm going to bring up number one is i agree that we won't see full uh full stadiums uh the big 10 has gone on record saying no students on campus no football that's their that's their official conference stance we are not having – wait, I think, it was, I think it was Michigan that said that. It was in the Big Ten. They showed the, – they showed the, the, in the article I read, they showed the Big Ten championship game field in Indianapolis, which will lead you to think it's a confidence statement. Because if they're talking about Michigan, they're going to show the big house. But uh, that's what I saw. So somewhere in the Big Ten, they have said of a conference or a whole or, or a school – no, no games with us. We'll have students on campus, and most schools have uh, announced they are going to open up in the fall on-campus classes, albeit different than what you or I have experienced, but mm-hmm. on-campus nonetheless. Yeah, there are there are a lot of. I think when I'm at WVU, at least some classes. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's required for all classes, but I'd imagine it is. Some classes, at least, are cutting back their numbers. Uh, maybe even half. Uh, a few of the grad students in in my lab are trying to get into a stats class, and it filled up uh, well sooner than expected because they cut the numbers. Uh, apparently, they're trying to set up 
uh, hardware in in the classes to accommodate a video learning as well so that I can sit there and watch the lecture uh, not and even though I'm not in the class but I don't know you know what that's going to do for class numbers but yeah I, I don't expect that the classes will be as full I think they'll be using even the bigger classrooms for the small classes uh, so have you know 25 people in a 300 person lecture hall probably and I think everyone's going to be required to have PPE uh, the personal protective equipment for those of you who aren't aware of that uh, that abbreviation so it's I, I <laughs> hopefully won't be around here in the fall to have to see that uh, since I may need to get out of here by August but yeah, it's it's going to be different for sure for anybody who's who's there. Uh, it was Michigan. It was their president, Mark Schlissel. If I butch- if I butchered that name, I apologize. Uh, says UM won't have football season unless a football season this fall unless all students back on campus for classes. And he has some degree of doubt whether there will be college athletics anywhere, at least in the fall. This is on 247sports.com. It is from a tweet from college football insider Brett McMurphy, who, if you can follow college football, will know has broken some really big stories in his day, is about reliable as sources as you get. So I'm going to go with that. And I also saw something where, to continue on that point, Ohio State, the Ohio State, had done some – uh, had done some uh, simulations and basically concluded they could fill the horseshoe to about one-sixth or one-fourth or one-third or some fraction of mm-hmm. the capacity and still be good. Uh, Tennessee, someone in the SEC did that with Tennessee. They took uh, – uh, what's Tennessee's home field? I'm blanking. Uh, Leland Stadium. I, that doesn't sound right. But uh, – to put Tennessee's field, whatever it is, I'm blanking on it by now. I love college football. This is not the indictment of my fandom, but uh, they took that and they basically filled it up. They basically did like a like a glass half full kind of thing. They filled it up to show what one fourth the stadium would be, or one third. Mm-hmm. It's about sixteen thousand people, I think. What's still? That's a big number. Yeah, that's a really big number. <laughs> Same thing goes with the horseshoe. That's a really big number. I've seen that place. I stood outside it. That's a big stadium. That's a big number. I don't know if I'd want 16,000 people around me in the fall, especially like September. Uh-uh. No. Yeah. Maybe October, maybe, but not September. Yeah, I, I don't think I would be... Uh, personally, I don't think I would be comfortable even in that situation. Um, just knowing all the stuff that I know, and sometimes it's a curse, the knowledge is, but like, there's just, you know, one po- just, it just All it takes is one person. And that's what we we've already seen. That's this whole pandemic started. Really, is is quote unquote one person. Um, so all it takes is that one, and boom, you've got a large portion of those people getting infected. Uh, granted, that's true with any virus or bacteria or disease, but for the most part. But this one, particularly, um, being novel, you don't want to you don't want to take that risk, and I, I won't. No, it, uh, I had a concert. Uh, that my girlfriend and I plan on going to get canceled, I think last week. And as bummed as I was, I'm also was not gonna lie. I was kind of halfway relieved because I'm like, I it was in Beckley, and I don't mean I disrespect people at Beckley, but it's in West Virginia. And I'm thinking, West Virginia people have around here have tendency to think this thing isn't real, and they won't go wearing a mask, and I'll I'll end up getting infected, mm-hmm. and it's not good. Because I, I I I don't 
love talking about. I don't mind talking about it to people, but I don't love it either. But I'm just going to be honest. Uh, I read something on the way up to Fairmont. My dad uh, did a purchase up there, and I was riding with him and my brother. And we, I, you know about this, but for those who don't, uh, I read, I saw the headline. I didn't want to read the article. This girl uh, from Apple News said this: the girl who died twice, the virus infected her heart. Just saying, if it does to me, I'm a dead man, because I have an an artificial valve in my heart, and I had a blood infection in 2017, and I was hours from dying when I went to the hospital. If we're being completely honest, so. What they and my cardiologist, when they got word of it, said, We're going to see you up here the next week. And I was up there on the January 4th. I went home on December 26th. We had Christmas and New Year. I had, had New Year. And but then on January 4th, I was in Columbus. And they basically said, Look, you don't know how you don't realize how bad off you were. And what they and what they said was, When uh, when infections get into like an artificial valve or something like that. You can put antibiotics in there, and this is different from COVID-19, but it's still the same basic principle. Uh, we can put antibiotics through there, and it will, it will get into the tissue. But since that's not tissue, it won't go into it. It'll just roll over it. So the virus, or in this case an infection, will stick around in there. And I was on a uh, port uh, in my arm for six weeks on antibiotics just to make sure that I was good. We don't have a treatment for COVID-19. So if it was to happen, if I was to go to a concert or a football game and I got it, it would not be good for me. So that's, you know, that's a little bit off the, off the topic here, but it's still, it, it, it's not about you, the person who is healthy and is, you know, as good as you can get. It's about people like me or the elderly or other people who have cancer or have fought cancer or have done something where they are not as perfectly healthy as the average person. Mm-hmm. It's about us. And, and I don't want to sound like I'm being mean, but for God's sake, people, care about someone other than yourself for five seconds. Yeah, Please. and if you are gonna, and if you are gonna just be the one that care only care about yourself, think about the consequences of actually having the virus. Even if you are healthy, there there are documented, there there was already plenty of documented situations where uh, you might be dealing with at least some longer term effects uh, because of being infected, even if you recover. And I've seen many uh, cases where perfectly healthy people, bodybuilders, basically. Um, get sick or hospitalized or, or dealing with the uh, uh, repercussions for six weeks and lost a massive amount of weight, you know, pretty much all of their muscle mass or at least a good portion of it gone because they were sitting there fighting the virus. And, and um, you know, that's, you don't want to do, you don't want to deal with that. You don't want to deal with any of the other potential outcomes, even if you are as healthy as you think you are, you don't know. And- so, if you're going to care about yourself, stay home because that's the best you can do for yourself. I can argue this too. If we're talking about – if you want to talk about inconvenience of not being able to go get a haircut until recently, try the inconvenience of being in a hospital bed not being able to see your family or not being able to move from that bed for six weeks. Try that. See how that fits. Okay? Just seriously, stop. 
and, and this is getting off from sports, but it's the same basic principle. If you want to experience college football in the fall and you want to sit in front of your TV screen from 12 noon when college game day ends to 12 midnight when the Pac-12 after dark is just getting started, you will stay home. Stay home. We're all in this together. We might not be in the same boat, but we're all in the same storm. We're all yep. in the same piece of ocean. Stay home. I don't know about you, but I want to see West Virginia play Georgia Tech, play Florida State in the last weekend of August or the first weekend of December, whenever that game is. I want to see that game. I want to see how uh, Mike Norvell does at Florida State from coming up from Memphis. I want to see how Neil Brown gets his team ready to go in his, in his second season at the helm. And the only way we do that is if people stay home. It's the only, only only way we do that. Only that way. Absolutely. Rant's over. I've Rant ranted, over. I've ranted now on the past two shows. This is becoming a theme. Yeah. Sometimes a well a well versed rant is is worth it. I've got another one for you later on. It's not in the show, but I'll show you. Uh, I'll show you a bona fide idiot uh, when we get off. So, <laughs> moving on. Julian Edelman, the Patriots star wide receiver, the only Patriot it seems left. Yes, I went yeah. there. Uh, uh, turned 34 last week. And so the topic I have on here is he's getting up there. And look, the Patriots said goodbye to a 42-year-old quarterback. Age does not mm-hmm. mean anything, but it does mean something in the NFL when you're playing slot receiver and you're getting banged up in every game. When you, when you do as many flips as that guy does, I'm surprised he's not been knocked out of the NFL sooner. <laughs> I, I know. And that that's and here's the thing. That's my that's my question. Do you have any concern with him giving his given his age going forward? You know, I I have concern for all the players. Just all of them. I mean, holy cow. Uh but for for Edelman, I I feel like if he if he if he was concerned in the in the slightest that he couldn't do this any longer, I guarantee you he'd be he'd he'd have been gone already especially given the now situation with uh well gronk was already gone but now gronk's officially officially gone from the patriots uh tom brady gone um everyone else under the sun being you know leaving i feel like if he had any doubt in his mind that he couldn't uh play now that he's going to probably shoulder even more of the burden than he did uh arguably in the last couple seasons he he'd probably call it quits uh because he's I can only imagine he's going to be a even more of a well course this this year should it occur. Um, I mean, but you know he has for sure you know had some injury problems. I mean, what it was only a couple seasons ago that he was out the whole season uh, with his yeah twenty seventeen ACL yeah. So and then you know to come back uh, essentially rebound and win the Super Bowl MVP the following season like he's he's basically what going on he'll be two and a half three see however three seasons removed from that yeah. injury um uh, by the time this season comes so i i don't know the because i personally never dealt with any injury that serious but i don't know the you know the uh, uh strain that takes on your body even if you have recovered from it so well you always uh, but he, you always hear with these injuries that takes you a year to get back to full where you were even once you've returned, like once you've come back from the injury, 
It takes you a yeah. full year to get back to where you were. So he's now two years from that. Uh, and worth noting, I have his stats pulled up here. And I actually, well, I'm going to bring up his stats now, but I have another counterpoint to make. Edelman has only played 16 games three times his entire career. 2013, 2016, and 2019. The fewest games he's played in this season is nine in 2012 and 2015. But here's the thing. If you look at his stats in the game in the years he's played, 16 games, it's 105 catches for 1,056 yards in 2013, 98 catches for 1,106 yards in 2016, and 100 catches even for 1,117 yards last year. Mm-hmm. Dude's consistent. Okay? Now, granted, that's partially due to the fact that Brady trusted him, and we've already discussed how Brady doesn't throw the people he doesn't trust. That's my counterpoint. Is Stidham has worked with him, but Stidham, for particularly the younger guys that were getting a lot of reps, say on like the second string with Stidham, yeah. I can argue that he'll have to build up a relationship with Stidham or Hoyer, whoever starts. We're assuming Stidham starts, but it could be Hoyer. Uh, yeah. We'll have to build up a rapport with the quarterback they didn't have with Brady, that he had with Brady off to forget that and move on. So I would argue that the offense will be a little more spread out in terms of balance this year, just because of the fact that you don't have that bond that Brady and Edelman had. You, you're yeah. going to have everyone trying to form a new bond with whoever starting that yeah. quarterback. That's my counterpoint. So even if the stats dip, I think it actually could help in terms of, you know, not getting whacked every time he crosses every time he crosses on a crossing route. Mm-hmm. It might help him a little bit go a little bit further. I don't know when his contract is up. I'd have to look that up. But I would say either it's either his last contract or he's gonna get only one more. Uh-huh. He's not he's not playing towards like forty. Yeah, I mean he he's what, two years younger than about two years younger than Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. Eh, pushing three because Larry will be 37 in August. Yeah. And, and I mean, we've seen what Larry Fitzgerald's done. Yeah. So, uh, oh, let's see. Contract information for Jalen Edelman. Edelman is. It says he signed a two year, 15.5 million extension, which was, I guess, we was it 2019? He, he goes to the 2021. No, there we go. Yep, that is. So he'll be. So, he, so technically, he's got two more years on this contract. Um, and what you know, he'll be 35 when the next one starts. So, oh, well, well, when well, that's the next, what, yeah, uh, year starts. Um, so you know, and then you know, I think the one thing which obviously you've always got to build, uh, a build a relationship with all your receivers, uh, regardless of, of who you are at the helm. Uh, but I think being Julian Edelman will give that little extra uh, hint of I've seen what he can do. I trust that he'll do it. I'm even at, even if the Jarrett Stidham, um, you might chuck it his way a little bit uh, more often than you would otherwise. Uh, even if you are still probably a uh, presumably a a new guy at the helm of the team and a young one at that. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think you're right though. We we if if the best I think would to do would be. You know, spread it around to everybody, build a relationship with everybody. And obviously there's always going to be the one person who gets targeted just a bit more. Uh, so we, we will, we might not see uh, Edelman get, you know, above that thousand yard mark, but it, it won't be because of him. I don't think. 
uh, it, it'll be because you've got to build a relationship with everybody. I, I also would, even if you are Gerald Edelman. I also would argue this. I think they'll run it more. I don't think you're going to see them throw it, you know, thirty times a game. Yeah. I think if they, I think if they throw it twenty five times a game, they'll be pushing it at least to start mm-hmm. out with. Because if, yeah. if you look at how Brian Hoyer has won, he hasn't won slinging it, slinging it around. And Stidham, I think, can sling it, but he needs time to grow into the game. You don't mm-hmm. just throw a kid out there who's only got, you know, free season from last year under his belt and a spot uh, mop-up duty for Brady last year. You don't you don't throw him into the fire and say, go win us 12 games and make it to the number one seed in the AFC. No one's that stupid. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, I mean, you got Michelle back there, because third year, right? Yeah. Um, James White. He's going to... Yeah, you got James White. Uh, who else? You got Rex Bulkhead still, right? That sounds... We didn't we yeah. lost him. Um, you've got you've got a plenty uh, a plenty experience in that backfield, um, along with probably even more depth. So take advantage of it. Exactly, um, and I fully expect they will. Yes, they do have they do have Rex Burkhead still. Uh, he is on a two and a half million dollar contract this year. Not bad. I'll take that. <laughs> um, so I, we're in agreement there, which is always good. You, you want people to, to agree on, on a podcast. You want there to be infighting and bickering. Uh, even though we are from West Virginia, that wouldn't be all that shocking, according to most people. They're wrong, yeah. but according to most people, they probably would expect us to. We're moving on uh, because I'm going to put my mouth and say something I shouldn't before I, if I don't stop moving <laughs> on. Uh, there was news that broke this week. I think it was last week in the NFL that, and this is where we get to show how deeply we're connected to the game of football in terms of just where, how far deep we got down the wormhole that is football. Uh, <laughs> the 4th and 15 AAF-esque rule. Now, I'm going to give you the opportunity to explain the AAF because, uh, well, I think you're going to do a pretty good job of it. And uh, for those of you who are not listening, and what what is the AAF? Or as Tony Kornheiser said, the AF, which the is AF. Yeah, he would never say AF. He'd say the AF. Uh, so go and look about the AAF uh, because it's it's where this rule comes from, or this proposal. Uh, the, it's not a rule yet, but it's uh, on the proposal. Yeah. So the AAF was, or, or is the Alliance of American Football. Um, it was, you know, it lasted, barely, well, it, it was founded in eight, 2018, uh, not long after the Super Bowl. Um, and then it, it lasted barely a year. Eight, I mean, it eight didn't games. Finish its, yeah, it didn't even finish its season when it started, which the whole point was to be basically uh, spring, what, spring summer league-ish. Yeah, um, and before the draft. Or end draft weekend. Yeah. So, um, basically from the week after the Super Bowl to, you said what, draft? Yeah. Uh, Championship uh, game on the, the draft, draft weekend. weekend. Yep. So, it was, what, 10? How many? 10 games. Didn't have too many games. 10 games. And then, I'm trying to remember how many teams there were. I don't want very many. Eight teams? Something like that? I don't want too many. Yeah. But, but the whole point of it was, it was essentially without being, it wasn't supposed to be a competitor to the NFL. No one expected it to be either. Uh, granted, a lot of people were assuming, oh, because it's not the NFL, it's going to be better because a lot of people have their their, their problems with the NFL, mm-hmm. fairly so. Uh, it was essentially in its own right uh, a, a 
a supplement to the NFL as or a supplement to football in general, as well as uh, providing uh, sort of development opportunities for many of the of, of the fa- quote unquote failed. And I'm not gonna say failed as if it's like, oh, I came in, I sucked, I'll never get back, but uh, failed NFL players that you know want to prove themselves again or hopeful returning to the NFL. There we go. Hopeful return. That's a more positive look on that because they didn't really fail because they still made the NFL. Um, uh, or NCAA players who didn't get drafted or weren't, or, you know, weren't picked up uh, at all or, or just want to go to straight to that league to build themselves or just want to stay in the league. You know, uh, you know the league paid fairly, you know, fairly decently from what I recall. While it could. Uh, while it could. Um, and we saw right off the bat they had they had a pretty interesting draft uh, draft style. They they essentially had regions right where you yeah. would if I was in ten, the Tennessee uh, uh, they would have various you know, essentially pipeline states that they would have to pick from first, uh, and then then they could go out and pick up other people. So I'll just uh, go to the you on that note. I'll, the Orlando Apollos, your team, and became my team once I realized I wasn't fully invested in Memphis Express. I didn't, I didn't jump bandwagon. I just realized I wasn't fully invested in it. So mm-hmm. the allocation pool from the colleges, NFL teams, and Canadian football league teams for the Orlando Apollos were Bethune Cookman, Florida, Florida A&M, FAU, FIU, Florida State, Florida Tech, Jacksonville, Miami, Florida, Stetson, USF. UCF, West Florida, the Dolphins, Giants, Jets, Buccaneers, and the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. Those are the schools hmm. and teams that the Orlando Apollos were allowed to to have teams to pick uh, players from. You were basically, hmm. and my old team, the Memphis Express, had uh, Arkansas, Austin P, Carson Newman, Chattanooga, East Tennessee State, Kentucky, Lane College, LSU, Go Tigers! Memphis, Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, uh, Ole Miss, Tennessee State, Tennessee Tech, Tuscalum, UT Martin, Vanderbilt, the Cincinnati Bengals, Indianapolis Colts, New Orleans Saints, Tennessee Titans, and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Those were the mm-hmm. – so, yes, to, to go on your point, you only had a certain amount of teams. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I had that information right in front of me. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Um, and, you know, the record, uh, which you're, you're aware of this because obviously none of us had any idea – uh, about the, how the teams would perform. I chose the Orlando Apollos strictly because the, the name was fun. And then obviously once we found out that, that Steve Spoyer was the head coach, I was like, heck yeah. Um, so that was that was a fortunate uh, a pick on my end. I just picked them because they sounded like a cool name. And um, so basically they, they ceased operations, what, two weeks after they, were, they had that ex- large, you know, Partnership. Yeah, the owner Not of the Carolina Hurricanes uh, uh, in the NHL yeah. wrote a big check, and that did not help. It may have no, kept yeah, the league around for a while, but it didn't do a whole lot of good once it got there. Yep. He wrote the big check, and then a basically a couple weeks later, he's like, oh, yeah, we should cease operations, um, which is depressing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and honestly, I'm, with the amount of people that they had, the um, – the, the, um, the experience and everything that they had with that that organization, I, I I just don't understand why more people didn't buy into it 
at least in terms of uh, in, like investment capital type stuff. Like it, it does, it blows my mind. Here's some of the names uh, associated with this: uh, Bill Polian, the architect of, the, of Peyton Manning Colts, some of the best teams you'll ever see. Troy Palomalu, mm-hmm. Heinz Ward, Mike Pereira, Dean Blandino, two of the uh, Pereira and Blandino, of course, work for Fox as the NFL and college rules analysts. They are its former head of officiating of the NFL. You don't get much better than that. Uh, Jared Allen, Justin Tuck, uh, Dick Ebersol, uh, former uh, Dick Ebersol was the man who created Sunday Night Football uh, for NBC. He was the person who pitched that. It's his creation that's officially graded as graded. And his son, uh, Charlie, was the co-founder and CEO of the league. And uh, uh, Bill Polian was the co-founder as well. They had a deal with CBS mm-hmm. Sports in terms oh, for not... their uh, TV. Yeah. Let's not forget Troy Palomalu. He I was, mentioned uh... him. Oh, you did yes. you? I totally didn't hear that. I think I was looking at somebody else. Fair um... enough. But yeah, that's... We all we looked at the league and went, this could last a while. They have really smart people, yeah. and then it just it went under. Yeah. After eight, okay, here's on Wikipedia. After eight weeks of play, however, the league's football operations were suspended by controlling owner Thomas Dundon. Two days later, the AAF allowed players to leave their contracts signed with NFL teams. The league filed for bankruptcy on the 17th of April, 2019, but the league's sole season left complete. So, yeah, that was not yeah. good. And they had eight teams. No. They had uh, they were the Atlanta Legends, Birmingham Iron Memphis Express, and Orlando Apollos, Arizona Hotshots, Salt Lake Stallions, San Antonio Commanders, and the San Diego Fleet, which is a really cool name for being honest. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it, and so the main point that we're trying to get at and, and is they had a rule where there were no onside kicks. They actually had no kickoff for us, as I, as I remember. It was just you spot from the 25 and you go from there. If it, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's true. But their their rule was no onside kick. It was a fourth and 15, effectively, from an onside kick after a score. Although I really don't mm-hmm. know why you'd have to say first and fifth. I don't know why you'd have to just have not, not, an untimed down. You know, it's like, why do I need to yeah. call it fourth down? Like, yeah, because in either way, you only get says, the one. On an onside kick, if you don't get it, or 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 an onside conversion, as you could call it, yeah, that says if you don't get it, the other team gets it. Yeah, I mean, all you gotta do is say if you don't acquire, uh, you know, if you don't uh, make it fifteen yards, you you don't keep the ball. I mean, that's I guess fourth and fifteen is is probably instinctive almost. You're like, oh yeah, it's it's got to be fourth down, but. It doesn't. I guess you're right. Yeah, it doesn't really do anything in terms of uh, make it any less apparent that you have to make 15 yards. And so I'm I'm reading, and I hate to cut Darren off in terms of explaining the AF, but I think everyone got the point. Uh, um, yeah. But this is really due to the onside kicks failure last year. Uh, I'm going to give Darren a chance to guess because I think it's fun when he guesses stuff. I give him. I give him pop quizzes a few times. Uh, he's done fairly well <laughs> on it. What is the per- what was the percentage last year of successful onside kicks in the NFL? Ooh, successful. Um, I'm gonna say three percent. Ooh, you're way low. Twelve point seven percent. Way Eight low. Sixty-three. Wow. I didn't expect it to be. I didn't expect it to be that high. I didn't either until I looked it up. <laughs> Not even gonna I lie. Want to go so I was. I was about to just. I was about to go with 10%. I was like, no, there's no way. That's what I thought. I was like, this is bad, but I didn't think it was that good. 
Uh, <laughs> and on fourth and 15s last year, set two of seven. Uh, fourth and fifteenth last year, but that's still higher at twenty eight point six percent. Yeah. So the basic point that we're getting at. Oh, by the way, uh, last season was an improvement from twenty eighteen. Going to NFL.com, seven point seven percent of onside kicks were recovered in the NFL in twenty eighteen. Dang. Tw- uh, diving deeper, thanks to NFL research that says. 21.2% of onside kicks in 1992 when they became, when they start checking that stat, the 2817 were recovered. Starting 2018, the kicking team no longer got a running start, and in the two years since only a dozen, only a dozen attempts had been recovered in 115 tries, just 10.4%. In that time span, 5 of 14, 36% of 4 of the 15s were converted. So, here's the thing. If it came down to it, would you vote for an, for the eliminate the onside kick and go for a fourth and fifteen from let's say it's the same spot, the thirty yard line? You gotta get the forty five. Somehow, I totally missed the the fact that it would eliminate the onside kick. So, as I understand it, you said okay. Um, I think I think having the option for one or the other. I mean. I think the data in terms of the fourth and fifteen, which you said was what two out of seven for last yeah. season, and uh, that's an extremely. Low I'm willing number. to bet like you who, were... who those two were. Some guy in Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, acting on such low information, and obviously you're not going to get into ex- a whole lot of situations where you would want to attempt on a fourth and fifteen. Obviously. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think it'd give me enough information to say, oh, yeah, I want to have the option for a fourth and 15 instead of an onside kick. Uh, strictly because uh, I think in terms of the excitement level, I think I've seen some insane onside kick attempts. Uh, Pat McAfee's attempted a couple yeah. of them on his own uh, and, and recovered one of them, I think. Uh, that sounds right. And then, so I think you can be creative with all of it, obviously, but I think in its own way, you might, you know, there's some more opportunities to be creative with onside kicks that I can think of. And it just kind of, that, that, uh, that makes me like them. Um, but I, I like the option. I like, I think I personally would vote for having the option of, of, ha- of choosing an onside kick or a fourth and 15 rather than a lip fully eliminating an onside kick in favor of fourth and 15. Um, strictly because mainly because of the fact that I, the four, two out of seven, you know, that's uh, I, mean, I guess a higher percentage than the twelve something. That's you said twenty eight percent out of the and then the twelve percent yeah. of the onside kick. So obviously it's a higher percentage, but it's an extremely low data set in in comparison to sixty three onside kicks. Um, so oh, just based on looking at the data, uh, I'm like, eh. Sure, it's more successful by percentage, but you have an extremely low. Count, so here's my so. thing. Here's my thing. Uh, I agree with you that I, I would love a uh, I would love a choice, but let's ask ourselves this question: How many quarterbacks would you trust in a fourth and fifteen, as opposed to a kicker in an onside kick? Hmm. Because okay, let's I, let's I, go around. Yeah. I would trust Mahomes. I would trust Brady still. Yep. I would trust Big Ben, in all honesty. I would. Mm-hmm. I would trust 
Oh gosh, who would I trust more? I, I would trust Kyler Murray. As crazy as that sounds, I would, because he's as 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 as, as maneuverable as mm-hmm. you get. Yeah, I would trust Drew Brees. I would yep. trust Matt Ryan. Barely. Uh, I would. Tr- I would. Tr- I would trust Matthew Stafford. I would trust Josh Allen in Buffalo. I just named you like six, seven, eight guys. That's the mm-hmm. quarter. That's the quarter of the league. So yeah. the question is for those teams that aren't on the on the on the uh, the teams the teams I listen. I pro- oh, I left off one. Russell Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo. Yep. That's ten. That's uh, over, and that's over. A qu- I'm left with the math. That's over a quarter of the league that I would trust. Mm-hmm. So, ask yourself this: Do I have a quarterback that is going to be able to do this? And this is extremely short term, extremely short term view. As in this season, we don't know who's going to get drafted next season. We don't know anything about that, but we know this season. Mm-hmm. So, if I'm looking at that, and I'm and I'm and and the owners vote on this. It's not a coach's thing. It's an owner's thing. But if you're an mm-hmm. owner, you would be an idiot not to listen to your football operation people going, no, don't do this, or yes, do this. You would be a fool not to do that. So if I'm here at the football operation saying, no, we can't, that won't work out for this year, this year. And yes, there has to be some sort of uh, common good thing, but you have to look out for yourself too. I, I mean, yeah. and if you're an owner of an organization that doesn't run well, not that you would know your organization isn't running well because you probably think you're doing all right. I mean, you're making money. But if you're an owner that isn't doing well and you know it, do you think, okay, do I trust my football people to, uh, to go out and get a quarterback that can do this if we need to, or do I not? That's a very real thing. So I, I would love the choice, but I would still lean. I honestly would lean towards the 4th and 15 for one reason. The quarterback playing in the NFL was as good as it's ever been. I talked about this last week. Never been better. So if I know that and I've got a good bit of the league that can do it and I'm only going to keep getting better because college just keeps producing better and better quarterbacks. Here's the thing. Quarterbacks and football players as a whole have access to more information from a younger age than they ever had before. They're going to be better than when they get to the NFL than they have been ever. As more technology becomes available, they're going to be better. They're going to be able to understand film better because they've been watching it from, since they were kids. They're going to be able to understand all the stuff because they can read. Hopefully, they can read coverage. So, plus, let's be honest. If it came down to 4th and 15, the Super Bowl, Chiefs, Niners, Chiefs have the ball. 49ers defense, that hyped up San Francisco defense versus Patrick Mahomes. Wouldn't that be fun? As opposed to having the Chiefs kicker, I forgot his name, against the 49ers hands team. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Definitely. So I would lean toward the on the, the fourth and fifteen, but it's like fifty one forty nine. It's not it's about as close as you can get to fifty. I'm not fifty point one and forty nine point nine. We'll put it that way. It's only a slight Yeah, yeah I I guess I guess really, yeah, I'm about the same. Like if it happens, it happens. I, I'm not against it, but I'm also not like, oh yeah, it has to happen, you know. So uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting development, one way or the other, uh, for sure. I don't know when they're voting. I think they're voting on it this week, so we should have news on that next week. 
So we'll see. Hopefully there's a the, the owners meeting, I believe, is this week. So if that's true, that's a built-in topic for us next week. Yay. Uh, so we had to pull some stuff out of Barbie Rands this week. Uh, <laughs> you know I'm right. For sure. Speaking of the things we pulled out of Barbie Rand, Tom Brady is on one without Bill Belichick. Tom Brady uh-huh. lost to Peyton Manning. This is great. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about a Madden simulation. I'm talking about a golf game. Yeah, I know. Uh, Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson face off against Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning in what was called the Match 2. This is in reference to the – it's the follow-up to the match, which was a 2018 or 2019. I forget which one they played it when Tiger and Phil faced each other in a pay-per-view golf match over Thanksgiving weekend in Vegas. I don't remember who won that game because I don't have pay-per-view, and I just refuse to watch it because I'm like, I Thanksgiving, what can I be? Oh, yeah, football. I can watch that instead. I'm watching that instead. And college yep. basketball and the NHL. I love golf, but I'm not watching it for Thanksgiving. I'm just not. So I'm not playing either because it's way too cold. I didn't even think about that in West Virginia. But uh, – the biggest thing that I took, and I didn't, I watched like one hole because I came home from seeing my girlfriend on Sunday and I watched the NASCAR race instead. But my dad had turned on, was going through channels and stopped on the golf game. And he watched like two or three holes and I watched one hole because I was curious. And uh, I had to wipe this. I saw Brady and I started smiling. I'm like, you can't do that anymore. No, he's the enemy now. But uh, I took it as a chance to warm up to rooting against Brady. That's what I took it as. Uh, he's no longer – he is the GOAT, but he's not my GOAT anymore because he just yep. – I can't I can't throw myself behind someone who's thought of a member of the New England Patriots. I just can't. So he's, 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 he's gone. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sure you didn't watch it, but it's still fun to laugh at him, right? Yeah, it is. Just a little bit. Ah, a lot of bit. Let's, yeah, that's not like I enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> I actually, I actually came up here and I, I walked up to the when my dad was watching. And I didn't know he turned the, I didn't know he turned it off, but I, I came up here and I was like, "Did Brady mess himself again yet?" And I'm hoping he had a bad shot. Didn't tell he did, <laughs> but he did rip his pants. However, he pulled a SpongeBob. This on is it. funny. This is high quality <laughs> funny content. And then. So yeah, he does that. Obviously, everyone who's anyone makes fun of it. And then he goes, uh, he he responds on uh, Twitter to it, where we tweets it and says, "Maybe I should have worn my Under Armour golf pants." He got a better one. I said, he said, "I guess I I guess pants went on social went on social distancing too." Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, <laughs> the dad joke Brady is officially arrived in Tampa. Yep. But. Let's also not forget on Twitter the very brief Eli Manning oh, joined Twitter. Oh yeah, and 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 Brady he says, "Oh, what's the qu- I'm going to find the actual uh, quote." Typical, you didn't show up to the fourth quarter. Yeah, I'm going to find the. Let's get the actual quote here. So actual quote. Uh, actual credit. Oh, that is. Yeah, welcome Eli Manning. In typical fashion, he never showed up until the fourth quarter. And Eli Manning responded, hope your golf game is as polished as your Twitter game. Don't hit it in the lumber yard. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> he also held out from the fairway. So, yeah. 
Okay. He's not a yeah. bad golfer. He just isn't better than I want him to be. Better than me by a long shot. I haven't played in like two years. <laughs> yeah, I, I I basically never played except the one time. Did you play, did you play uh, with me? I yes. thought you were there. I think that was I the, thought yeah. you were there. Well, we're going to play again in this summer, depend, uh, provided this virus clears up a little bit and we're able to go out and, and go there. Because I yep. was, one, you and I both enjoy spending time with each other and our friends. And two, I want to get back out on the golf course. And three, yes. our friend Ryan lives right next door to one. It's like <laughs> yeah. it's right there. Take it. Plus, golfing is quite an easy thing to social distance with. Yeah, really. So, uh, But I'm definitely – but obviously – once it's comfortable yeah and i actually i had uh, the itch to go play around on sunday night and then it started raining i'm like i'm glad i didn't take that itch i'm really <laughs> glad i didn't do that um actually no it was a monday night not sunday right. night but anyway the point is this yeah. uh that's it's fun to laugh at brady losing because well we're gonna do a lot of that hopefully i was telling dad uh uh we we're talking uh, on Saturday, and I was like, I hope, the, I hope the Buccaneers go 0 16. And Chase was like, What? And I'm like, Because I don't like Tom Brady now. He's like, Wait, what? And I'm like, He's a traitor. I'm sorry, but I don't, I don't do traitors. Yeah, you really get that feeling. Yeah. Let's move on to another thing about Tom Brady because apparently we can't shake the man. <laughs> so, following in the success of The Last Dance, which I have not watched. Except for episode one in the afternoon, episode two. I've been meaning to go back and watch it, but I've been doing a lot of other things. Uh, working on this podcast, writing for other blogs, and, and just doing some research stuff around the house I'm doing as well. But uh, he's getting, Brady's getting his own documentary, a nine point documentary next year. It's called The Man in the Arena. It will follow each of his nine Super Bowls and how he got there. Wow. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that because I don't know how you're going to differentiate a – here's what I wonder. How are you going to take a team achievement and put it all on Brady? Because yeah, the that's... notion that it was just Tom Brady that got them to those games is completely false. Let's not forget the first three yeah. were one – by having a really good defense and not making Tom win the game by himself, mm-hmm. and that's how the, the that's how they won uh, the last one as well. So yep. you've got four out of those six that they won that were what that were won by not having Brady do it all on his own. So here's the question: How are you going to take? Uh, you know, I understand the first one. I understand that because it's like, okay, we're starting my career. I'm at Michigan. I'm, you know, I, I'm sitting behind Drew Henson. Uh, I, I go out and I ball out when I get a chance to play. I'm picking them a 199 in the draft. I get that. Four-string quarterback, the Patriots keep me when no one keeps three quarterback, but three quarterbacks. I start when Drew Bledsoe gets hurt. And then, you know, I, I get that. But how are you going to go through the rest of them, even the ones that he loses, mm-hmm. and make it all about him? I just, I don't know how that's going to work. Now it's, I mean, it, it's always it's always good to see his mindset with these things. But again, you're right. It, it's for for something like the Last Dance, they went over the entire the entire team, and they discuss everything about that. But yeah, when you're focusing on one guy, 
in a in a team sport for that much of a duration. That's that does it does seem to to take away. And and maybe they'll maybe they'll add a lot of things into it. Maybe they'll, you know, have some various team players that had experience on those on those Super Bowl runs but and, and provide stuff, but having it focus solely on one guy, any guy, we're not just saying this because it's Tom Brady, obviously, given that we've been ragging on him since the, the news broke. But uh, I think with anybody, yeah, you it just, it needs to be a Patriots team thing, which we talked about briefly in the past. If, what if they did a, a Patriots style last dance? Um, but this would be an entire, uh, an entire dynasty uh, basically, uh, which granted Brady was a large part of, <laughs> but here's and- here's my thing: the Malcolm Butler fight in the super, in, in forty nine. How do you tie that to what Brady did? How do you tie that into a Brady documentary? What are you gonna say? Have him find some clip of him talking to Malcolm Butler in training camp? But we didn't even know who the hell he was. Yeah. So it's like, what? How are you gonna? T- how are you gonna figure that out? Well, how are you gonna make that one work? <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I mean, you could also tie it to the defense failing in the couple in in the couple Super Bowls that they did lose in the three Super Bowls they did lose because that's basically what happened. Basically, I mean, I mean both both the New York Giants Super Bowls and now ev- everyone's defense failed in in Super Bowl Fifty Two. Uh, that was just a shootout of all shootouts, and it was fun to watch despite the loss. Yeah, um, but especially in in the Giants, uh, the defense did fail uh, in uh, as much as they could. You know, there were some <laughs> quite lucky and, and skillful catches, uh, but dang, yeah, I mean, like tr- trying to attribute any of that, like. How you like? How are you going to tie those types of things? Other than Brady going, oh, like you guys just lost me the game. Like, but I don't. But we wouldn't see him say that. No, and I, he might have thought that, but he knows better than to say it. Especially in that exactly. organization, you don't go saying that kind of stuff. You might think it, but you sure as hell don't say it. That that'll get you kicked. That'll get you booted out of there before you can even think about. At what you're going to do in terms of apologizing yeah. because the minute you get that meme mentality, you're gone, it seems. And I, I rightfully so. Like, let's take the, let's take the uh, helmet catch, David Tyree. It, that, that play is more than just that catch. It's Eli becoming this maneuverable person, which he never was, and nor was mm-hmm. Peyton for that matter. But it, it's Eli becoming the hardest person to sack in the league. And the defense failing to wrap him up, and then Rodney Harrison going up and making a play on the ball when, and really it should have fallen incomplete, but David Tyree made that incredible catch, which give credit to Tyree, mm-hmm. he made the play. But how are you going to tie that into Tyree? How are you going to tie Tyree making this great catch, and then the Patriots defense failing to sack Eli uh, into Brady? I don't know how you're going to do that. Unless you find him talking with the offensive coordinator going, okay, here's what we're going to do if they score, you know, all that. And even then, that's mm-hmm. not much of a storyline. Yeah, it really isn't. Not really. Like, it's – I would rather I, – I don't even know what I'd rather, honestly, other than just not doing it. 
but I don't know of any alternative in terms of if you're going to do something like that, what's the alternative? They've already done it in Tom Brady's documentary, the Super Bowl 52 season. They already did something like that, so which I was going to propose, but I couldn't because they've already done it. So, and that was like as the season was and they've coming, already so they've already done also his career, the Brady Six, mm-hmm. uh, the six quarterbacks drafted in the draft before him. <clears throat> so. I don't know how you're going to respin that, that first story. I really don't. Because that first year of him coming out of Michigan and being on the Patriots roster, but just kind of being there, I don't know how you're going to spin. I really don't know how this is going to work. Because with Jordan and the last dance, it was the story of that season. Yeah. And that's perfectly fine. That's a good story. And I'm, yeah. and I'm not saying the Patriots don't have storylines because we know they have storylines. This is the New England Patriots. There's a story to be mm-hmm. found in that organization. Doesn't always come from within, but there's a story to be found. But I just don't know how you're going to be able to tie all that in to that. And let one more thing. The Mario Manningham catch in 46. Mm-hmm. There is footage of Belichick before that play happened in the coach's headset saying, go, make him go to Manningham. They thought that was the matchup they liked. And where did that play happen? It happened right in front of Bill. That's mm-hmm. something to latch on to. Brady, to my knowledge, wasn't anywhere near that area. How are you going to do that? See, this starts, this made me think, you'd almost rather just be a, a Bill Belichick thing because he's the one that has a hand in everything. Yeah. If anybody should be, should be rolling over the, the nine Super Bowl uh, you know, appearances in their tenure, Thing is, it's Bill thing is, Bill's the least likely to do it of, every, of everyone. He's, yeah. He doesn't care. He's not focused on that. He's focused on the next one. And he doesn't even he doesn't even care. And that would be something. Quite honestly, I'm surprised Belichick did a football life and the two Bills with Bill Parcells. I'm mm-hmm. surprised he did both of those. I really am. And I'm surprised he uh, let everyone in to, to his inner workings like that. But you're right. If you're going to do something like that, do it either on Bill or do it on the organization as a whole, like from Kraft on mm-hmm. down. Yeah, because, I mean, there, there was certainly a lot more with Brady or than, than just Brady in that whole organization. Because it, it makes you wonder – sure, it makes you wonder if he wasn't there, would they have won so many? But that's always – there's always that question no matter who you are. If Russell Wilson wasn't with the Seahawks, would they have won? If Big Ben wasn't with Pittsburgh, would they have won? You could, you could, you could add that question on to every single quarterback, at least that has ever won a, won a Super Bowl. Even the one that lost it, Garoppolo, last year, what did everyone say? Oh, if they had gotten Brady instead, he would have won that game. Well, we don't know that. Exactly. We don't know. We might think so, but we don't know it. This is like you might think the Patriots are going to bomb and go like three and thirteen this year. They might go fifteen and three for all we know. No one knows. Mm-hmm. Which is why we watch it because we want to. We want to see the, the chaos on uh, ensue. Exactly. We want to see it happen. You know what's going to be really fun? I just thought of this. I'm not taking Brady in our fantasy draft this year. I got to get me a new quarterback. Which. Which we've always had the agreement that basically you'll take him and I'll take Gostowski. Gronk, but I can't take Gronk, and yeah, I normally do take Gostowski, and I can't take Gostowski. We're gonna have to have a whole new team like, this year. 
I, I, I need to find a new kicker. <laughs> I know. Granted, I'm... I didn't have. Yeah, granted, I didn't have Gostowski most last year. Anyway, I think I still... had him last year. I think yeah, so. so I don't know who I had as kicker now, but yeah, I've got to I've got to restructure. Granted, I didn't do that amazing last year anyway, so I need to restructure a lot of things. Yeah, but <laughs> uh, I blame honestly, I blame that on my, every time I never have wide receivers. Every time I pick someone who I think is going to do do well, they get injured or they go five weeks of having ten yards receiving, and you've got the worst the draft luck ever. I, I, I don't know I don't know what I I honestly don't know. I have a decent I have a decent track record in picking up free agents and turning my t- team around, but I don't have a decent record with drafting people who I think are going to get hurt in two weeks. Coming soon to a <laughs> podcast near you, fantasy draft special. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm going to have to figure that one out. I just thought of that on the fly, and I'm like, man, you know, I I. I almost won the league last year. I came within like a Travis Kelsey catch, but like a first down away from winning the league last year. I was that close. I was watching that uh, Bears uh, Chiefs game, and I was watching my phone, and I was like, "Come on, come on, come on!" Then the Chiefs got with like five minutes to go, and they were up. I'm like, "They're gonna run the ball, aren't they?" And they ran the ball out, and I'm like, "Come on!" There's one throw to Kelsey, just one. He'll catch it. Nope. So yeah. Depressing as that was, it was so fun. I think last year was the best team I had in both college and the NFL. I ran through college on the back of Jonathan Taylor, and I did some work in the NFL on the back of the whole team. Yeah, it was it was a, it was a quite a good year for both for both your teams. Hopefully, I'll be able to recreate um, that. Although history suggests I won't, but. <laughs> it's it's always hard um, to build a dynasty. You know it would be cool, and this is just thinking on the fly now, to do a keeper league. Yeah, I think we had we had thought about that. We had. Uh, I think we had a discussion. And, we also had a discussion on making a fantasy baseball season. I'm glad we didn't do that. I'm really <laughs> glad we didn't do that because I'd be sitting there going, I want to play, but there's no games. Yeah. Fun fact, actually uh, depressing fact, but I'm going to say it's fun fact. Yesterday was the first Memorial Day since 1880. There was not a Major League Baseball game played. And if that doesn't make you a little bit depressed, you're not an American. <laughs> That's just depressing. But Very depressing. Uh, I think I have – I do have two quick things for West shoot. Virginia football that, uh, that, that's always fun. Uh, so the very first quick thing is I didn't know this was happening – they're uh, putting in a new south end zone video board at Milan Park. I did not know that. So that, that one uh, on the opposite end of the one they just put up at, uh, on the end of the, the hospital. Land. Hospital. Yeah. Um, they're 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 putting a new one. I don't have any other information other than it's it's a coing. The WVU football posted on Facebook. Uh, I can't find anything else of how it's big. It's supposed to be any of that stuff. I just know it's a coing. My so, guess is new my video guess is board. probably match the other one. Probably. I mean, I'm a man of symmetry generally, so I would prefer seeing two same size video boards because uh, it did throw me off when they were not the same size. Um, uh, so that's happening. That'll be fun. Uh, and then the last thing is I saw this the other day and it got me, it, it tied into our setting goals, staying motivated, all this stuff that, 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 that I think Neil Brown is doing a really good job at it, uh, instilling in the team. Uh, Tyke Smith, 
safety for the team. Uh, started 12 games last year as a true freshman. Uh, all 12 oh, – no, sorry. Started eight and appeared in all 12. I uh, got that backwards. <laughs> um, he made um, the Football Writer Association of America a uh, freshman All-American team and an All-Big 12 honorable mention last season. Uh, he had two interceptions and a sack, 50 tackles, uh, four pass deflections, uh, and two tackles for loss of the, the highlighted stats there. Um, for his sophomore campaign, he has tweeted that he will. He doesn't say he wants to be. He wishes. He says, I will be an All-American this upcoming season. That's what he says. Um, he wants to go for it. Go right ahead. Yeah, he's setting he's setting himself some goals to achieve, some big goals. And uh, should we have a season, let's. I want it to happen. Let's do it. Um, and that's that's the type of stuff you want all of your players striving for, and seeing and again seeing it put out into the world, saying, "I will. This is what's going to happen." Uh, it's just fun to see, and I, I would have to imagine that uh, not only his personal motivation, but you know the the teachings of of Coach Brown are, are shining through some as well. And not only that, but here's the thing: some people will say, "Well, if you're going to do that, you know, let's say he doesn't do it, he, he does, he falls just short." He still set a pretty good goal for himself, and if you've got a personal goal, not with the team goal, uh, as long as you don't put the personal goal ahead of the team goal, go for it. Mm-hmm. I, exactly. I would rather you have a goal of doing well for yourself. Than having you just sit there and go, oh, whatever happens, happens, which is true. Exactly. But I would rather you at least try. For sure. I mean, there's no reason in not setting a goal. Like setting the goal gives you something to to achieve. Uh, it gives you more motivation. If you don't know what your your plans are for the football season, other than let's win a game, um, it might make it harder to do your job because you don't know what you're working for. If you're setting something like that to work for, you're going to work harder, and you might end up getting it. And you, and it's going to benefit the team, hopefully. Um, so, by all means, get that All-American in 2020. Take now, I will, do I will say this as a counterpoint to what I just said. To set a goal for All-American is fine. Set a goal for 10 interceptions, good but not great because you're going to find yourself playing the ball when you shouldn't. Because exactly. you're going to like, oh, let's say it's game seven and I only have four. Well, you got to have a really good game to have any hope of getting to ten in the last five games of yep. the year. So you're gonna have you're gonna find yourself playing the ball and going for a pick when you're just trying to deflect it or t- or hit the guy so knock it out. That's mm-hmm. the problem. But if you're talking about like having all American, if you play well enough, they'll put you on the all American team. They will put mm-hmm. you on that team if you play well enough. And the Big Twelve, if you do well defensively, they're gonna notice you because you're gonna stand out. They just exactly. don't – they breed defensive players, but they're a different kind of defensive player in the Big 12 than you are in the SEC. If you, if you stand out, they will notice you. And I exactly. think he's got every bit, in, every bit of talent in the world to do it. I really do. I think he's got enough potential and talent in him to do it. I think he's going to be coached really well. I love the defensive staff at West Virginia. I love the staff as a whole. I think it's one of the best staffs we've ever seen, along with uh, Stewart's staff uh, in 08. But mm-hmm. I I genuinely think we're gonna see that he he's gonna if he plays the the way he can, and the defense plays where they can, and the offense steps up a little bit with Jared Deggy hopefully starting, 
don't disrespect mm-hmm. Austin Kendall at all, but I, I hope De- I hope Deggy starts. Uh, that team would be one you don't want to see. They may not beat you, but they're going to give you a hell of a fight. And that's how they were last year. They put up a fight in most games. Yep, they didn't roll over. Even when they got their revenge kicked to Oklahoma, they didn't roll over. And that's how they. That's how they should. That's how they should do. It. Exactly. If you're gonna play, if you're gonna play at that school in that conference, when everyone seemingly is against you, you've got to. I'm going to use the Dabo quote: "Byog, bring your own guts." You got to do it. You got to bring it every single game, and that team did. I can't wait to see what this team does in the fall, man. We are. Hopefully, there's a season. There may not be any fans there, but I hope there's a season because, man, I want to see what this team can do. I really do. There's so much excitement, anticipation, looking forward to the season. I want to see what this team has in them. And, again, going back to our original point, we started out this show, but if you're with me, stay home. If you don't, have to go out. Or if you're going to go out, wear a mask. But please, stay home. Do it. <laughs> Stay yes. home. I, I cannot exp- I cannot express that enough. Please. If you don't have to go out, stay home. Okay? It's be, be smart about it. That's all we ask. Be smart about it. Because I'm just like you. I want there to be Major League Baseball games in July. I want there to be college football games in August, September, and October, and in, in the rest of the fall. I want that. I want that so very much. You know, last Thursday was supposed to be 100 days of college football. That's a, usually a milestone day. You know what it was this this year? A big question mark mm-hmm. day. As in, do we celebrate? Do we not? Do we even know if we're 100 days out from it? What do we know? The answer was nothing. We don't know anything yet. But you know this. We want it. And we want it bad. At least I do. Yeah. You know, it's really weird. We're in this kind of period where Memorial Day weekend, you're kind of like college football takes a break until media days start in, in the middle of July. But it's the Big 12 actually announced media days will take place, but it will be all virtual this year. There won't be a gathering. It'll just be coaches calling in on like Zoom and then players as well, which will still be cool because, I mean, you get to hear people talking about football. What, what What's better than that? Uh, and college football to beat it. Uh, but it, it, we're in this break, but we don't know how long this break will last in this year. We don't know if we're going to be playing the uh, in week zero. We don't know if week zero will be canceled and pushed back to like week 16 after the Army-Navy game. We don't know that. <clears throat> but we do know one thing, though, and that's that we cannot wait to see what's going to happen. We also know something else. This show is over because we've been asked to talk about. <laughs> that is true. To about. <laughs> Oh, we kept it under we kept it under an hour and a half today. Yay for us! So until next week, when we hopefully have news on the NFL rules and a little bit more clarity on college football, I hope. This is Lucas Berry for Darren Trisberry Jr. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week, hopefully with a little more loaded show. Hopefully so. Adios to all.